This talk was given at Insight Meditation South Bay. For more information and a schedule of our events, visit the Insight Meditation South Bay website at www.imsb.org. For information about online programs, visit the Bodhi Courses website at www.bodhicourses.org. Bodhi is spelled B-O-D-H-I. To find a posture that's comfortable and upright. So where you've got... um, a sense of ease and also alertness. And I want to lead into the meditation with a poem. And then I'll hand over to Matty. Sangha, community. When I left the only home I'd ever known, I thought I'd left everything behind, but I was still carrying all the years of running back and forth and around in circles after this or that. Just sitting still, those circles have broken apart and been carried away by this simple wind blowing in and out. All your old thoughts, like snow falling on warm ground, just sit back and watch.
So however your body is now, and however your mind and heart are now, Finding some place in the body to ground. Maybe lightly grounding in some part of the lower body or some part of the upper body. Maybe grounding in the breath, coming in and out. And wherever the mind is right now, just giving a little space. Their thoughts are arising, just letting them be.
grounding in the body, giving space. When I left the only home I'd ever known, I thought I'd left everything behind. But I was still carrying all the years of running back and forth and around in circles after this and that. Just sitting still, those circles have broken apart and been carried away by this simple wind blowing in and out. All your old thoughts, like snow falling on warm ground. Just sit back and watch. Whatever the mind is carrying right now, or whatever is carrying the mind, just letting it be like that. No need to control.
finding some place in the body to ground. And then giving space to whatever's arising. However the mind is right now, 
finding some place in the body to ground. And then seeing if there's some particular wholesome quality that's already present. And whatever it is, just being with it. Giving it space. Just being here for this.
Whatever the mind is right now, whatever it's carrying, letting it be just as it is. All your old thoughts, like snow falling on warm ground. Whatever way feels true to you, seeing if there's some trust that the way forward leads through letting go. some trust in the path. If the way forward doesn't lead to different ways of controlling that if we can be here for this, the path can walk itself.
So uh, this is the first time that Maddie and I have presented on these poems together. We've spent many hours working on them together. <laughs> some, some in this room here in the Aloka Bahara Library and, and sometimes outside and sometimes on Zoom from different sides of the country. And uh, it's been a, a, a beautiful gift in my life to be able to, to uh, work with these poems and also to work with Matty. Matty's, I've learned a lot from Matty. So it's been uh, a very fruitful and insightful journey. And uh, so that, and the Terry guitar, as I, as I often say about that, it's a, <clears throat> it's a collection of, of poems by the enlightened nuns of the Buddha's time, or some of the enlightened nuns of the Buddha's time that have been passed down in the Pali Canon as part of our, uh, our sort of heritage. And many of the older translations, there have been many translations done, <clears throat> made. And many of the older translations are, uh, are rather dry and literal. And uh, so you can, you know, they, they're still inspiring in that they are words of enlightened beings but they're written in such a way that it's kind of hard to get the juice out of them. And I had waited for a long time, years actually, but the, um, uh, for there to be a um, translation that, that really spoke to the heart. And um, Matty has done that way beyond what I might have hoped for. So, uh, so the result is this book, which is just a little book. Many, many hours of love and care have gone into it. It's just a little book, but it's full of depth and uh, insight. And in a way, to me, it's like speaks to the, the, the part in me that, that it recognizes the path. And I know that that's true for others too. So, do you want to say anything about mm. No? All right. And uh, so I'd like to read to you from one of the poems that came through while Matty was staying here. So we worked on Zoom mostly, uh, apart from a couple of times when we were at IMS or Forest Refuge, where we were in the same place at the same time. We went through the entire manuscript together. Matty had already written all 73 poems and uh, they were at <coughs> different stages of completion when I read them. And it's almost like the first time I read them, I had this kind of mandate of like, I have, these have to be available to people. They have to be finished to perfection and then they have to be made available to people because I could see their potential. And uh, so, so, some, so some were already pretty much perfect when, when I first read them and some needed a bit of work and some have been completely, completely overhauled. And this was one of those. Um, so we worked on Zoom for some time, and then just when I when it seemed like the poems were coming towards their completion, I invited Matty to come and stay here for a couple of weeks to finish working on the poems. But of course, it took much longer than a couple of weeks, and and uh, that that final part of the book was was quite a quite a 
it was almost like a like being witness to a birth actually it was quite a quite a process and uh, so Maddie ended up staying for four months uh, with the with the you know it sort of worked for everybody here with the blessing of all the nuns and while he was here this one poem came through it's kind of a feisty poem and it's by Upalawana. So Upalawana means blue lotus. And it's said that her skin was the color of the heart of a blue lotus. And that, that uh, in India, in the old days, they, so you might have heard like Krishna, that Krishna is blue. So in, uh, in ancient India, when somebody had very dark skin, it would be, it would be called blue. It seems it as seems beautiful and it would be called blue. Don't know why. So she is a, a woman of very dark skin, skin the color of a blue lotus, who was said to have been from a, quite a well, in a wealthy, comfortably off family, and had uh, anyway. There's various stories about her life, and we know we know we're never quite sure which ones are the, the true ones. But I'll go into her poem now. And I, I wanted to read this one because of uh, what's happening in, the, in America at this time with the right race protests and riots and brutality. You know, the brutality has been going, been going on for a long time, hundreds of years. And uh, it seems to me that we're in a time when there could be, you know, there's a possibility of, of some turnaround, but who knows? So uh, I'm going to read Upalawana's poem. I hated my father and I hated my mother for making him my father. I left home to get away from him and then found him everywhere I went. But I trained hard. I learned to make my hands grow red with fire. And I handled the darkness with a chain. I swore no one would ever hurt me again. Then one night, while meditating in the woods, I was grabbed from behind. This sal tree is in full bloom, the man said. And here lying beneath, I find a sal flower with a lovely shaved head. Tell me, my little flower, aren't you afraid? I turned around. He looks just like my father. It would have taken so little, a flick of a finger to make him burn. I looked into his eyes and saw the billion lifetimes that he and I had been running around this same circle together. Then I walked all the way down to the darkest parts of my own mind and stood in front of the blazing roar as countless lifetimes of fear and revenge threw themselves into the furnace. Burn with me, my sisters. And when you're ready, come up from that dark place where you've gone to be alone forever. The path leads directly 
through these vast worlds of fear and hate. We have all wounded and been wounded. We have all been made to feel weak. Yes, there is great strength in the darkness. Yes, the mind can be used as a knife or a chain. Yes, the whole world is burning itself to the ground. Ask the lizard how long this has been going on. Ask the sunflower and her million seeds. The mind is more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Ask yourself what you are really prepared to give up in order to be free. I want to read that to you again. Upalawana, Blue Lotus. I hated my father and I hated my mother for making him my father. I left home to get away from him and then found him everywhere I went. But I trained hard. I learned to make my hands grow red with fire. I handled the darkness with a chain. I swore no one would ever hurt me again. Then one night while meditating in the woods, I was grabbed from behind. The sultry is in full bloom, the man said. And here lying beneath, I find a sunflower with a lovely shaped head. Tell me, my little flower, aren't you afraid? He turned around. He looks just like my father. It would have taken so little, a flick of a finger to make him burn. I looked into his eyes and saw the billion lifetimes that he and I had been running around this same circle together. Then I walked all the way down to the darkest parts of my own mind and stood in front of the blazing roar as countless lifetimes of fear and revenge threw themselves into the furnace. Burn with me, my sisters. And when you're ready, come up from that dark place where you've gone to be alone forever. The path leads directly through these vast worlds of fear and hate. We have all wounded and been wounded. We have all been made to feel weak. Yes, there is great strength in the darkness. Yes, the mind can be used as a knife or a chain. Yes, your whole world is burning itself to the ground. Ask the lizard how long this has been going on. Ask the sunflower and her million seeds. 
The mind is more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Ask yourself what you are really prepared to give up in order to be free. Just sit with that for a moment. Your whole world is burning itself to the ground. Ask the lizard how long this has been going on. Ask the sunflower and her million seeds. The mind is more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Ask yourself what you are really prepared to give up in order to be free. Yeah, thank you. I, um, you know, Ananda Bodhi and I have spent a long time working on these poems, and um, yeah, I still really enjoy listening to her read them. I mean, it's nice getting to be here at the monastery together again through this time and um, getting to share these poems together. I also. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's interesting sharing these poems tonight because, you know, and as I were, and I were talking about, the world is burning itself to the ground right now, kind of. So for me, in some ways, um, poetry feels a little thin. Um, maybe it's not the most important thing right now. But also there's, uh, just, just for myself, I'll say that um, these teachings of the Buddha have been instrumental for me in a way of building a life, you know, that makes sense and that's helping me to become the kind of person I want to be. Um, so in times like this too, it feels important for me to, to find um, some kind of solace and direction, you know, in those teachings. And for a lot of us, I think, especially in difficult times like this, it's going to be in a very personal way. So it might not be Satipatthana or it might not be, you know, what other people are doing with them. But I think, um, for me, it's been important to find a personal relationship with the path and the, the work on these poems has been a real part of that for me. Um, it's, it's allowed them to, the teachings to become a lot closer, a lot more real and a lot um, just closer to my heart, you know, no longer at arm's length, you know, and no longer like, oh, we should do this because we're supposed to do this. Um, but finding finding where the true path is for me and then seeing whether my faith in it can be fulfilled seeing if it'll take me actually where I want to go. Um, so, I mean, this poem is, is, a, is a kind of a perfect example of these two sides of the Buddhist teaching, one of which is that time is beginningless and endless, and there have been a billion worlds, and there are going to be another billion worlds, and holding that that quality of equanimity, 
but also here we are. You know, this is our world right now. And how are we going to show up for it? You know, and how are we going to relate to what's happening? Um, how are we going to relate to our own heart? And how are we going to um, find a way of living and a way of practicing that makes sense for us? And I think that too is going to end up being very personal. It doesn't always have to look the same for everybody. Some people are going to do one thing or another thing. And um, that's as it should be, I think. But to find something there. You know, there ought to be, there ought to be something in these teachings for us right now, you know, both for our formal practice and how that practice gets expressed in the world. Because in the end, these, these poems of the, the Terigata, you know, um, and all the Buddhist teachings is really instructing us, you know, uh, how to practice and also how to live. So we can take direction from there directly um, and see what speaks to our heart in a genuine way. And and then do our best to fulfill that. Yeah, and one, one piece from this poem that uh, feels very resonant for me right now is, is um, that's, you know, this, this nun is, is being confronted by a man in the forest, you know, it's kind of a scary scenario. Uh, she's a powerful woman. She has. Uh, she she was. She was actually known as foremost in psychic powers, and she was one of the Buddha's chief disciples. So you, sometimes people hear about Sariputta and Moggallana, Mahamoggallana, the two male chief disciples of the Buddha. Well, he had also two female chief disciples who don't get mentioned so often, and don't get so many statues made of them as the male versions. And uh, um, uh, Kema and Upalawana were his two female chief disciples. And Upalawana was foremost in psychic powers, so she's a powerful woman. So she doesn't actually have to be afraid of this man. And when she says, it would have taken so little, a flick of a finger to make him burn, that's kind of literal. Um, but uh, this, this uh, situation where, you, where there's, you know, where you're confronted and there's conflict and things are difficult, and you could just do the same old thing again that you've done a billion lifetimes already. And then, uh, it's just this little verse. I looked into his eyes and saw the billion lifetimes that he and I had been running around this same circle together. And uh, for me, you know, the, the situation that in, that's really hot right now in, in America with the racial uh, oppression, violence, uh, reactivity, and so on, uh, protest. And this is something that's been going on for a very long time. And we may have been relating to it in the same way for a very long time. And there may be ways that we're afraid of it or ways that we sort of defend from it or ways that we want, don't want to deal with it or ways that we um, are overwhelmed by it. And, and then she says this, then I walked all the way down to the darkest parts of my own mind. So those places that are, those places where the, you know, where the, the fear, the resistance, the, the defending, the defensiveness, you know, whatever we might feel are there, the guilt, the shame, the denial, you know, whatever it is. The, the longing to 
we go and walk down, all the way down to the darkest parts of my own mind and stood in, in front of the blazing roar as countless lifetimes of fear and revenge threw themselves into the furnace. So this is very powerful and in a way that path asks that of us. Though we don't often hear such strong um, imagery, but it, that is what the path asks of us. And there's a, that very simple, beautiful nutshell teaching that I, that to me it just kind of encapsulates the whole of the Buddha's teaching of refrain from doing harm, do good and purify the mind. This is the teaching of all the Buddhas. And so what Upalawana is describing there is purifying the mind, just, just let it all burn up. You know, and we, we, all, we all have ways that we can, you know, through the precepts really, that we can refrain from doing harm. And we all have ways we can do good. And then there's the, which, and then refraining from doing harm and doing good, it's like it creates a basis for the practice. And it gives us a, a sort of a, a foundation of good merit from which to practice from. And then the burning up is, the, is where, where the karma ends. So this is very important too. And it, it burns up the, the old patterns and it burns up the blocks, you know, when we don't know what, what to do next. Just go back in there, have a look. The path leads directly through these vast worlds of fear and hate. If it didn't, you know, it, would be, it wouldn't be a path because they've always been here. They were, they were, you know, the Buddha was alive in the, during the, when the caste system was very strong. Very cruel, deeply cruel system, you know, it was like, he understood that this was a social construct, just as race is a social construct. And uh, he overrode that in the, the monastic Sangha, which was a very radical thing to do in that time. And, uh, so, you know, and he was showing the path that leads out of suffering, the way that leads to the ending of suffering, because there was suffering then and there's suffering now, and there's a path that leads out. So, so how we use our mind, our body, speech and mind is, is very important. And it's up to us, you know, only we can do that work and we can cultivate that. Next question. Maybe we do Vera and then Vera. we go into Q and A after that. Sounds good. Sounds good. Thank you for this. So uh, this is the poem of Vera, hero. Truly strong among those who think themselves strong. Truly unafraid among those who hide their fear. A hero among those who talk of heroes. Don't be fooled by outward signs, lifting heavy things or picking fights with weaker opponents and running headfirst into battle. A real hero walks the path to its end, then shows others the way. Once more. Truly strong 
among those who think themselves strong. Truly unafraid among those who hide their fear. A hero among those who talk of heroes. Don't be fooled by outward signs, lifting heavy things or picking fights with weaker opponents and running headfirst into battle. A real hero walks the path to its end, then shows others the way. So this is the poem of Punaka, the slave. In the early morning, well before dawn, I would go down to the river. It was my job to carry water up the hill to my master's house. Of course, we all want to be free. But what good is freedom when your sisters remain slaves? I used to imagine an old man down there by the river. I used to imagine what I would say to him. What does it mean to own another human being? What does it mean to feel your own skin, to touch it and know you are not free? We all have bodies. My sisters, I don't have to tell you. But where did I get this body? Who made me a slave? The old man and me, standing here, watching the river, waiting. But for what? Over the years, this round heart has been pounded flat. Sometimes it doesn't feel safe to feel anything at all. Don't give up, my sisters. Whatever you have to say, now is the time to say it out loud. All our dreams of the past, all our dreams of what will be, come, reach out your hand. Some rivers we must cross together. I love that ending. I think that's, that's really, that's kind of where we are. Don't give up my sisters, brothers, friends. Whatever you have to say, now is the time to say it out loud. All our dreams of the past, all our dreams of what will be. Come, reach out your hand. Some rivers we must cross together. So Mary just pointed me to the, the poem Vijaya, Victor. And this is Ayasanthachita's favorite poem. When everyone else was meditating, I'd be outside circling the hall. Finally, I went to confess. I'm hopeless, I said. The elder nun smiled. 
Just keep going, she said. Nothing stays in orbit forever. If this circling is all you have, why not make this circling your home? I did as she told me, and went on circling the hall. If you find yourself partly in and partly out, if you find yourself drawn to this path and also drawing away, I can assure you you're in good company. Just keep going. Sometimes the most direct path isn't a straight line. Upala Wana actually is one of my favorites, the, the one I read earlier. Oh, this is also mm. so beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Upasama, it's a very simple poem, but it says so much. Then Matty can do his favorite. Mm. Upasama, calm. How do you cross the flood? You cross calmly, one step at a time, feeling for stones. How do you cross the flood, my heart? You cross calmly, one step at a time, or not at all. So this was my favorite for, at least for today. Oh yeah, this is wonderful. <clears throat> Uttama, great woman. For years I couldn't sleep. Most nights I'd throw off the covers and take long runs through the dark. Nothing helped. My sisters, when sleepless nights come and to tear you into little pieces, Rise to meet the day, as a tree rises to meet the axe, as a scalp bows to meet the blade, as sparks from a dying fire reach out to meet the darkness, as all of our bones someday fall softly down to meet the earth. When you stand, Send your roots down between the stones. When you walk, walk like a skeleton walking to its grave. When you lie down, lie down like a blown out candle being put back in its drawer. When you sit, sit very, very still. My sisters, sit like you are dead already. How could this world possibly give you what you're looking for when it's so busy falling apart, just like you? Look closely. Don't move till you see it. 
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.